This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Goal left! Hit left! Hit left over the top! Now! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Only Hassan! No! Hello, welcome back to the final pre-season episode of Quickly Kevin. I'm Chris Gold, joining me Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And Michael Marden. Hello. We're rattling through some correspondence we've had over the summer. We're also dropping in a few live show clips and trying to pick our all-time 90s team from average and slightly odd 90s footballers. Shall we get on with correspondence? You've got mail. Okay, this is from Joseph Craven, and it's called Heartbreak High and USA 94. Your recent podcast about the Neighbours episode where they went to Highbury Stadium, which is coincidentally where I live, jogged my memory of another Australian soap opera from the 90s that had a 90s football angle. The soap in question was the edgy Heartbreak High, which used to be on BBC Two every Tuesday at 6pm. I recall that Drasic and Con were competing for the heart of Katerina, and in a last-ditch attempt, Con, who was of Italian descent, gave her a very special present. She opened the box and it was the actual shirt worn by Roberto Baggio for Italy in the 1994 World Cup final. <laughs> what? Isn't that bizarre? I personally would have accepted a proposal in exchange for this shirt but last con was rejected which seems to be an ongoing theme of the series so the girls all chose bad boy Drazic. I can't find any evidence on the internet and I'm not dedicated enough to rewatch the series in case it taints it forever. Uh, so if you do remember this hello at quicklykevin.com did, however, find an article about Baggio giving the shirt to the venue director of the Giants Stadium, Charlie Stilitano, after this missed penalty. This is a time before classic football shirts, and I can only imagine that Con was related to Charlie and got the shirt off him. <laughs> That's a weird plot thing to put in. The actual shirt worn, not just in any game, but in the World Cup final. Yeah, <laughs> Miss, so, missed penalty. Missed penalty yeah. in the World Cup final. I wonder, <laughs> In Australia, how much extrapolation they had to put in as well. Yeah. That's <laughs> jumping the shark, surely. It's totally absurd. Was it the actual the shirt used in the show? Was it the one? 
No, I, I don't think it would have been. I would imagine they've just got a Baggio shirt printed up, it's haven't they? they? This is the I act. wonder like how far in advance they record the episodes and whether it was before the actual final and they thought, well, Baggio, because up until that point, Baggio had been incredible and they thought, yeah. well, Italy are definitely going to win and he's going to be the star man. We're gonna no, give if them- they said the World Cup final... They weren't recording during the World Cup. Well, they might they might have recorded that episode. You know, like, oh, between uh, the semis and the final, yeah, like they do with these senders. <laughs> They're sort of like however many weeks. In and advance. then she wasn't allowed to mention the result. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't say who won, but here is probably the star man of the final. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so if you've got any correspondence on that, uh, hello at quicklykevin.com. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Now, we have two live shows coming up on November the 7th and 8th at Hackney Empire. Uh, you can get your tickets at hackneyempire.com or just Google quickly Kevin Hackney Empire or you know how to use the internet. We will also be announcing at some point another uh, live quiz night before the end of the year. We did one last year. It was amazing. Go to quicklykevin.com, join the mailing list, and you'll be the first to know about any future live events. And also, if you are looking for tickets to these shows... If people do have returns, as has happened, i.e. people can't come, they we will retweet people that have those, so do follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, to get you in the mood, here is a clip from one of our previous live shows. Have you met any nights... Do you meet nights footballs through comedy or had any? Uh... No, I mean, I met, I met so many at the time. I would, yeah. I would get, because I had a season to get the main stand at Forest where the away team coach would come into. For all the years we were in the Premier League, I would just get autographs of every visiting. So I've got loads of Sheffield Wednesday ones I can't identify. I've got Aspria, Albert. And then I would get, I got Boulder in, so that 94, 95. Steve Boulder. <laughs> 94, 95, I was quite meek and just taking over your autograph. And then 95, 96, I was warming to the autograph game. I said, oh, can you make it out to Matt? So I've got loads from like Barnes, Redknapp, Seaman, those that sort of era, all yeah. personalised in all these autograph books. But then it is like it will go Rush, Aspria, Albert, Barnes, and then Milosevic, Townsend, and then just like bit part. Yeah. Did you ever get an autograph from a referee? I, numbers of referees. I got Paul Durkin. I got Mike Woolmer, who uh, <laughs> refereed the game one. I was a mascot for. Yeah. What was it like being a mascot? Overwhelming because they left me in the tunnel, so like I had to go out with a ref. It was fucking embarrassing, to be honest. <laughs> I never really quite it down. And you see them all naked. You just sat in a changing room, and like Roy Keane's dick is there. <laughs> I could pick that dick out of a lineup. <laughs> that you talk about? Have you ever had any dreams of '90s footballers? Ones I'm probably going to need hypnotherapy for, to be quite honest. It was. I was like ten years old, and then there's just dicks everywhere. I was like, Fuck. And then they, you go, they they can't give a shit about being naked. I can't they really say to Brian Clough, uh, am I meant to be here with all these naked men? Like, you know, I don't think mascots are done like that anymore. <laughs> I don't think that's how it happens. <laughs> I don't think that's what it entails. You didn't get in the bath, though. <laughs> no, I didn't get in the bath. No, no, it was no. a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> it was just saying, I didn't know what to say. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe I wasn't meant to be in there when I was in there, but I'd wandered in there. <laughs> I remember Brian Clough picking up Mark Crosley and hanging him on a peg. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was re- he, he threw he, his he cap had clothes on at that point, didn't he? He wasn't hung by his skin. He <laughs> <laughs> was like leather like face. Like what of sons might do to someone. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he lifted him up and, and, and hung him by his, like, by his goalie top on a peg. Like <laughs> I think he threw his hat at him and he missed it. He went, oh, fucking Al Crosley, and then just picked him up and like... Crossy was big, but he wasn't it's as fat like an as he, could... he can lift like ten times his body weight. <laughs> yeah. 
I liked the idea that it was like a motivational idea and Crosley was in on it. <laughs> what? Motivational for who? So Clough was like, I need to assert my authority. Yeah. Mark, I'm going to lift you up and hang you on a peg. It's like that scene in Back to the Future where uh, he beats Biff up in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more dirty dancing, like a kind of like <laughs> sexual lift. Let's talk about the FA Cup final 1996, Manchester United versus Liverpool. Before the game... We didn't, we didn't need any motivation. <laughs> so, when did you first hear about the white shirt, the white suit, sorry, did you see them? Like, when what? we walked out and we just thought, look at them twats. <laughs> George Ormano, I think we had Burton suits on us. <laughs> they were, we were saying, like, what would have happened if you'd have gone to Sir Alex and said, I'm, I fancy a, a white suit at the final? Not what would chance. he have said? Not a chance. Not, absolutely not a chance. Did he ever come down on, like, dress sense or any... Um, well, just after the after the um, '96 Cup final, we just beat Middlesbrough away. Needed to beat Liverpool to win the double, and um, so we do that. And then at Town Hall in Manchester, we've got um, black tie in front of all the dignitaries in Manchester, and um, Sharpie decides to wear this um, it's like flowery shirt. I mean, it looks smart, but just a flowery shirt, not a plain white mm. shirt, uh, black dicky bow, nothing like that. So the gaffer sees him. Goes over. What the fucking hell have you got on? He said, You're fucking representing Manchester United. You look an absolute fucking disgrace, Sharpie. He said, Gaffer, it's fucking Paul Smith or whatever it was. I don't give a fuck who it is. You look a fucking disgrace. He said, You're representing Manchester United. You're in fucking town hall here in Manchester. I said, You look fucking disgrace. Fucking week's wages. Okay, now, week's wage. Then Eric walks in. Red Nike trainers, <laughs> pair of black jeans, suit, jacket on, collar wide open, baseball cap. <laughs> Gaffer sees him, he went, yeah, but fucking look at him, he looks cool as fuck, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> fucking sharp as hell, that. Fucking gobsmacked. Now, Chris, you need to uh, go in a minute, don't you? Yes. So you're not going to be here till the end of the episode? No. Because we've overrun recording these five. <laughs> so can you quickly give us your favourite striker my, of the 90s? Yeah, with pleasure. So, my striker, I'm sure listeners will remember this, I haven't really researched this much, other than to say, I'm sure at the start of every like two or three years in the 90s, Richie Humphreys of Sheffield Wednesday was the top scorer in the Premier League throughout August, several years in a row. He was the anti-Harry Kane. He would bang in... <laughs> four or five goals in August every year and he would be at the top of the goal scorers chart and then do nothing the rest of the year. It did feel like that. I have absolutely no memory of this or Richie Humphreys. It's a yeah, bit of a like do a I remember fat this fat ginger right. guy, right? right? Yeah, it was a bit tubby. Yeah, yeah, I mean fat in a footballing sense. <laughs> <right. laughs> um, but he would bang him in at the start of it and I'm thinking, well, this is Richie Humphreys' year. Because he did this last year. And then the rest of the season, just absolutely nothing. He's like, a great could, choice. I've totally forgotten he did that. They always be screamers as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he might have even scored four in a game once, but I never remember. You never heard of Richie Humphreys from October through to May. No. But then the start of the season, it's weird, peculiar that a player. Maybe he had like a, reached a bonus if he got five goals in the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Richie Humphreys. I love that. I've completely forgotten that happened. If you've got any. Uh, Knowledge of whether we've got a false memory of that. That is true about Richie yeah, Humphreys. Hello at quicklykevin.com. Sponsor, do I remember this right? <laughs> 
Kowalski trying to use his strength, but again, Walker used his pace and judgment to beat him to it. Humphreys. Booth had to come back. He would have been offside if Humphreys had played the ball to him then. But Humphreys has done well here in a great chip. Is he really a beginner at this level? You'd never guess it. Richie Humphreys gets his third goal in four games and looked as though he's been playing in the Premiership for about ten years. OK, Michael, Chris has gone. Yeah, Chris has gone. It's just me and Josh. Just me and you. Who's your striker? So, my striker choice. I've chosen, he's not just my favourite 90 yeah. striker. He is my favourite footballer of all time by a country mile. And that is Eric Cantona. I loved everything about him. I loved his arrogance. I loved his upturned collar. I loved his ability to score, like, not only sublime goals, but the really important, crucial goals. He was never that prolific, if you look at his record. He never scored 20 goals in a season at Man United. But it felt like every single goal mattered. You know. Yeah, he didn't score loads, did he? No, but he scored a goal. Yeah, he wasn't... No. A bit like Dennis Bergkamp in that sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, But he would score in those games where we weren't breaking a team down and he would score the goal and we'd win yeah. 1-0. Or we'd, it'd be 1-0 and he'd score the goal that we'd win 2-1. There's a season where I think if you tally the points that he single-handedly scored goals that won us the yeah. matches... The drop-off is incredible if he doesn't play in those games. Do you think the players liked him? What do you think it's like? I, I think they like? did. The, I got the impression that they they did. I think he, more than any other player in the history of the Premier League, but especially in the 90s, I think he transformed the way that people viewed foreign players. Yeah. like He was the bright centre around which two great Man United teams and then he revolved. Retired. And then he just I love that about him. He retired yeah. at 30. He said, and he had previously said, when I feel like I've had enough, I'm, I'm gone I'm going to leave and for someone to say that that's fine yeah. but to have the conviction yeah. to follow that through in 97 he retired at 30 he just walked away from the well, game you, it's an interesting one for Ferguson as well because I don't think he's an atypical Ferguson player in no. that he's quite it's about him I mean obviously he's highly competitive but he's a bit he's showy yeah and he's kind of self-centred in a sense do you know what I mean well I, I think it's a testament to Cantona's ability that someone like Ferguson was willing to indulge certain aspects of his behaviour. You know, when he, he drop-kicked a fan in the stands, yeah. like, he literally drop-kicked a guy. Now, any other player in the world, you'd think, Fergie would have shipped him out the door. You know, yeah. Beckham got a bit too big for his boots with image rights. Beckham didn't fucking drop-kick a guy in the stands. <laughs> you know, Yap Stam got a bit big for his boots. He was gone. These were players that were at yeah. their peak. But Fergie, I think, recognised that this guy is too important to this club and our success that he sort of managed that situation I think the only regret with Cantona is that if he'd have stuck around for a couple of years he would have been 32 in that 1919 so he would have still played a part and he would have won the Champions League Teddy Sheringham or would he? well this is yeah sliding doors moment we don't sign Sheringham so does Cantona score that goal or is there a world in which Manchester United I don't don't imagine Cantona being on the bench no for Andy Cole Starbuck puts it back in again. Away by Bruce. Hughes. There's a break on here. Cantona is free. Giggs has seen him. He's found him. Cantona looks for the chip. Oh, exquisitely done. Game set match. Wonderful, wonderful piece of finishing 
from Eric Cantona. Okay, so Josh, who have you picked? Well, probably the Plymouth player that had the most impact on the Premier League, Mickey Evans. Are you aware of Mickey Evans? I'm, I'm aware, but not overly familiar. So he was a target man at Plymouth. Yeah. And he wasn't a prolific scorer. He was like the kind of lower league target man, scores 12 a season, but he's good at holding the ball up. Yeah. Great homegrown player. He had the potential. He was never quite good enough for the Premier League. But what happened was, it's one of those players, he transferred to Southampton one April when they're about to go down. Right. And he scored a load of goals and kept them up single-handedly. Basically. Right. And then it was like, he's got in the Premier League for 500 grand and he's amazing. But then obviously the next season he was found out and he wasn't very good. <laughs> so he just ended up back at Plymouth and then he just went back. But he had the, he was a, like a Plymouth legend. Yeah. He got us, he was in the Sturrock team that then went and got promoted in the early 2000s. Yeah. And he was in the Neil Warnock team that went up in 96. But between that he had a small period where he was Premier League quality for one month. He won the Player of the Month, having moved wow. to Southampton in their final roll of the dice to stay up what, in the Premier League. What was the step up in divisions? Where were Plymouth at the time? Like what two... would now be League One? Okay, so two divisions below. Yeah. Now, how do Plymouth fans like view him? Like he obviously left. Oh, he's but... brilliant at Plymouth. But you, you kind of understand. Oh, you understand someone he's moving been... to go to the Premier League? Yeah, you totally understand. It. And then he came back. But when he came back, was it like someone sort of dumping their girlfriend for a really fit girl? Then no, dumps, not at dumps all. Him because I don't think when back. you're a lower league fan, you expect any of your players to have any loyalty if they can go to a Premier League club. Right. Same with managers. Like Paul Sturrock went to the South, Southampton, in fact. Yeah. And you don't resent it. We resented Ian Holloway when he went sideways to Leicester and then got them relegated. Yeah. But now Leicester have proven they are a bigger club than Plymouth. So he had, <laughs> in many ways, made the right decision. Yeah. But Mickey Evans represents a time when lower league strikers could get in the Premier League and actually have an impact. I'm sure there's others that did it. Who was the guy who was at Portsmouth who used to be in the army and he sort of... Guy Whittingham. Guy Whittingham. Yeah, exactly. kind of made that step up. He used to be in the army. Yeah. But then that's what happened. Ian Wright would arguably be one of those that succeeded. Yeah, I guess like Jamie Vardy, there are those players that sort of have slipped through the net basically for whatever reason and then later and a little bit later. But the best thing about Mickey Evans is he hadn't slipped through the net. He wasn't good enough. (laughs) It just took the Premier League about five games to work out how to deal with him and then he was done. (laughs) Because he was playing in a League One style. Yeah. It's like there was a kid at my school who wasn't even the best kid at football. And he got signed for Torquay United. Yeah. And I was like, how was he signed for Torquay United? And uh, then he scored two goals in his first three games. Yeah. And everyone was like, he's going to be a professional football. And I was like, there's no way. Yeah. And then he never scored again. And I was like, I knew it. We're coming to the 90th now. The city ground. Berkovic, he's onside. Evans, chance of another one for him. Got to do it on his own. And does. 3-1. It's always a classic we do, but any stories of you playing with people that ended up being professional, hello at quicklykevin.com, or any people that got found out when they tried to move up to a higher level, hello at quicklykevin.com. So that is our uh, 11 choices. Go online, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, vote for who you want. We will announce the team on the first episode of next season, when we will also be joined by a footballing legend for the interview, and we will also be listening for the first time to Des Lynam's CD of Poetry. Can't wait. Before that, though, let's just finish off with one more quiz. Chris has lost four in a row. It's my turn to set the questions. Chris isn't here. I'll hand it over if he doesn't answer within five seconds. <laughs> Chris, the question is, in which year was Euro 96? <laughs> Time up, Michael. 
it was 1996. Correct, you win. Michael, what would you like as your song to play us out? I would like the 1996 Manchester United FA Cup squad official song, Move, 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 The Red Tribe. Lovely. See you at the end of October. Bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.